It's 2013. They don't you make don't films to... like this anymore. <laughs> well, not in what, 2013. What say that is wide open for you if you want it. <laughs> but I, I mean, keep, keep in mind, keep in mind, there's maybe one movie a year that comes out that I think is worth seeing. Worth seeing. This is episode 42 of the Movie Bite Podcast, a weekly show where we discuss, praise, lament, or lampoon movies, TV shows, and more. Today is Thursday, May 2nd, 2013. I'm your host, TJ, and I'm joined by my co-host, Joe Darnell. Joe, how are you? Hey, TJ. It's going great. I'm, I'm having a wonderful day. It's been a crazy day. So glad we can have this very early afternoon occasion to do something special. Yeah, we're live at a different time than usual, but guess why? We have a special guest with us. We have with us today Dan Benjamin of 5x5. Dan, how are you? I am doing well. You guys are very, it's very formal. You've got a, a process. It's great. I'm, I'm super, I love it. Love being here. Been yeah. waiting for 40, 41 episodes to get here. Yeah, oh, well, you know, so. we, uh, I, I will say that well, I invited you on earlier in the year, and then I thought, you know what, because you responded on Twitter, but then I just, I, I emailed in, and we never got back together, I thought, well, you know, I'm just too small of a fry for them to pay any attention to whatsoever. Not at all, not at so, all, I just, I I am horrible at email, that's all, that's all there is no, to I, I understand, mm. you know, as, as I get more and more emails, it's starting to get a little bit horrible for me too, but nothing, I'm sure, like you get, so. Um, well, Good thing you're not on Facebook wasting your time there. Then your notifications would go out the wazoo. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Look at this, though. Look at these notes you guys do. Listen, I don't know if your listeners know this because you, you, you guys don't strike me as the type to sort of, you don't grandstand. You know what I mean? But no, not really. the notes that you guys do. It's intense, right? It's, I mean, I don't even know what the right word is for this. Because you guys, this, yeah, I, I always figured I was outdone by Merlin. I just, this is, this <laughs> well, is, this my is we have no notes before the show. You, the notes that you have before the show. I mean, there's pages and pages and notes and links. And I, I mean, it's fantastic. I do try well, to spend, I hope, you, I hope you're being serious there. Dad. I'm being very serious. It's look, look at this. <laughs> this is just, well, we, I mean, there's have, ratings for things. There's, yeah. I mean, it's, it's amazing. All right. Well, for those who are listening, I want to. I just want to give you a little He's bit more. He's got to keep it on track. He won't let me take him off track oh, at all. Come on. Have you seen this, Hattie? I mean, seriously, <laughs> listen. This. Hattie, my producer's in here listening. All right. These guys won't let me derail him. He's going to keep coming back. He's going to keep bringing it back. No, that's good. I like it. Yeah, I got to try. We're it off to a good start. I got to try. I'll get you. All right. So, Dan, you're from five by five TV. You, you're the reason. I wrote a little bit last week. You're the reason why I'm in podcasting. I love listening to your shows. Your shows are awesome. I've really been enjoying the frequency. Um, so I, it's just, it's, it's really exciting to have you on the show. Sweetie to say, thanks. I'm glad to be here. All right. And, uh, actually this is the first time that I've had more than Joe on the, on the show where I had a mixer and two other computers where I can actually do it properly and have not, not do a Skype conference, but have you with two computers and two channels recording. Oh, you're doing it the right way. I am finally. Congrats. Yes. Very yes. good. So for 40 something episodes and we had more than Joe on, I would have to bring it on a Skype conference and hope that they were tech savvy enough to do a double ender. Yeah. Uh, it, it's just, you know, but now I don't That's have a, to do that. You're putting the burden on them to do it. And now yeah, you, you've, you've taken, taken over for them. Yeah. But man, this stuff's right. expensive, Dan. I know it is. So, Isn't it? Uh, and and I'm, I'm, I am still doing one thing that you, I, and I know that I shouldn't be doing it, but I have a condenser mic and I'm not in a sound studio. And so it probably doesn't sound as good as it could, but it was the mic I had and I don't have the money for a new mic right now. 
I feel mm. your pain. I mean, it's yeah. it's tough when you get you know it's it's better to do it on a condenser mic than to do it on a Logitech headset or an iPhone uh, yeah, sure. headset. So think of it like that. You're still doing all right. All right. Well, okay. So the first thing does we Joe talk, talk about. on this show, or does he just hang out? I'm just curious. I'm more of an introvert, Dan. So right. I'm enjoying just listening to the conversation. <laughs> what what are you doing? No, on, like, why are you, you? Why are you hosting a podcast, Joe? If you're such an introvert, mm, I don't know. You, you go by me Joe or Joe screaming like forty weeks ago He's, he started so. going by joe lately so right. he used to go by joseph that's what how I, when i met him it was joseph now it's joe so i try to call him joe but you may hear me slip up all right so all right well the first first link we're going to talk about today this is a little bit kind of i guess you would call it meta but i'm really excited about this i'm a huge fan of instacast i've been using it on my iphone for a while instacast for mac beta and this is not related to movies or tv shows but we are a podcast so it's related to podcasts right so yeah. Instacast for Mac. Dan, have you had a chance to use this yet? I mean, I just downloaded it yesterday and I've only had a chance to fire it up a couple times. But as as you would expect from the Instacast guys, I and mean, these are these are f- folks are really, really good developers. Uh, it, and I mean, this is a beta and they're very, very open about it being, you know, an early beta. Yeah. Uh, but I just I just think it's great. And, you know, this is the kind of thing that as as iTunes and Apple are kind of moving away from this kind of this kind of experience right uh having an application like this that focuses podcasts uh i mean how can i complain about that yeah absolutely. it is intense it, it far exceeds any of the power that you get out of itunes right now for podcasting oh, wait i mean everything's yeah. in there don't even talk to me about itunes Ugh. I've, I've been so unhappy with iTunes podcasts, and you know it wouldn't take much for them to get that right. Now, the, the Instacast beta, I've had just a little bit of trouble. Like, um, it, it does sync my played and unplayed status, but it's not syncing the uh, the time period that I'm at. If I if I come in, you know, I get home from work and I'm going to work at my computer a little more, it doesn't pick up where I left off. And that's a little bit frustrating right now, but I think they'll get that fixed. Like they said, it's in beta, and I'm incredibly excited about this. So this is another way that people can listen to the Movie Byte podcast. So obviously, I'm happy about it. So I'll put that link in the show notes. Uh, we'll have that there. And uh, so we're not, gonna, like I said, we're not going to spend too much time on it, but incredibly exciting. Yeah, check it out if you want to get this on a podcatcher. Yeah. All right. So J.J. Abrams says that John Williams is likely to score Star Wars seven. I mean, who? I'm I'm, I'm absolutely shocked. Right? (laughs) It's not a not big news. What do you think, Joe? We talked about this. I I find it kind of surprising because John Williams doesn't have many good years left in him. The the poor guy has got to take a break. I hope he can retire soon and he can enjoy the good life. The the guy is he's incredible, but I don't know. Is he going to recirculate or recir- should I say recycle most everything he did from the other soundtracks to put together this one? Well, I don't or, know. Uh, I'm I'm going to get Dan to weigh in on this in a minute, but I mean, I think that despite the fact, and I just finished listening to the Incomparable, where they talked about uh, the two episodes, they talked about the Phantom Menace, and the one thing that you can say about that film is it has a great soundtrack, and it was quite original in many ways. I thought. Uh, and, and so I agreed with them on that and I agree that the Phantom Menace is a terrible film, but, uh, so, you know, I think the possibilities are good, even though I'm not, uh, I'll get Dan's opinion on this, Dan, but I am not, a I'm not huge saying that I'm opposed fan. to John Williams because I think that he's the right man for the job. I think it would be very difficult to replace him. Yeah. Well, I'm not a huge fan of John Williams, but I think that, and I've what, talked what about you, this in the show. Go ahead. You're not a fan of him. Well, okay, here, here's how I've said it on the yeah, show TJ before. Yeah, really backwards about I, that, Dan. I think he does great um, themes, like the, the Superman theme, the, the Imperial March, 
these are great themes, right? I love them. I play them all the time. But his overall scores that 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 they don't capture the feel of the film very well to me sometimes. Like he tends to be too bombastic and he never finds those quiet moments. You know, I, I'm being a bit of a snob, a, a film snob, but I, that's the way I feel about John Williams. Okay. He's right. no Hans Zimmer, you mean? He's no Hans Zimmer. That's right. What do you think, Dan? You have a different opinion. I can hear it. Well, no, I mean, it's just, you know, I guess, I guess it's one thing to say you're not a fan of, of him as a whole, but I mean, the guy has made this, I don't know how, how old are you guys? I'm 31. Okay. You're 31. Joe. 29. 29. Yeah. Okay. So we've got a, I mean, 10 year difference between us is not that much. This guy was like the soundtrack of my life. I mean, you know, like you grow up, I'm, I'm sitting in star Wars, star Wars, in the movie theater, I'm four and a half years old. And the wow, first one of the, fr- I mean, I saw, you know, a couple other little movies before that, whatever, Fantasia. I don't know what they had out. Disney. Um, they had Jaws. This is the first serious movie. This is the movie of, of my time, you know? Yeah. And, and, and you, you sit down and you see the words scrolling past you off into the distance. You hear that music. You see the cruiser, you see all of this stuff happen and it's all set to his music and you get these three movies, right? And then you go out there and you see, uh, I mean, gosh, he's, he has done all of the movies that mattered to me in, in my whole childhood, Jaws, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. How can you not be a fan of this guy's? Okay, well, like I, I need to back up because I need to preface well, this a to little clarify, more. I would agree with you too, Dan. You know, his influence has made what the soundtracks what they are today. The guy did Superman. He did Raiders. Yeah. Superman, yeah. Indiana Jones. These are the, the extraterrestrial. All of these things. This is you know, yeah. and. And they work in the context of the films. That's what that's what's really hard for me to believe is that TJ doesn't especially sun? care for him in the context of the films. Well, I need to back up and say I I do <laughs> like I love the some of his uh, themes. Like I said, and I I love well that I love is the that's all you want is the themes. Well, but there's so much more to a good score than than just the themes, and I feel like he fails to capture some of those moments. I mean, this is. Uh, you know, that's I'll tell you what, I'll take, I'll take a John Williams theme over somebody's little, you know, wispy think, little violin melody in the background of a love scene any day. Right. I think that there's three different camps. Those that love Hans Zimmer and love John Williams. Those that love John Williams and those that love Hans Zimmer. You know, so you would fall. I think Hans Zimmer's the, amazing, by the way. Exact, right. I, I'm with you there, too. I, I love them both. But there's a lot of people that have a high regard for Hans because he's able to it feels like he invokes more of the emotion of a film throughout and he's not about themes. He's more about the emotion creating, and the creating a feeling in, creating a, in a, a certain vibe. scene. Yeah. 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 So that's a little bit of a difference. And he, between and two. he, but he, and he does that. Okay. Yeah. And that, and this is the whole thing is that, but if I asked you hum three themes for me that Han, or three things Hans Zimmer has composed. Okay. I mean, maybe, Maybe you could do it. What would those be? That's show true. me your fire truck. I mean, that's only because the uh, the show in Japan. All right, well, you know what I'm talking about yeah. the food, uh, the Iron Chef thing. Forget that. 
You know, I can I can hum to you, Indiana Jones. I could do Superman. I won't because no one wants to well, hear that. And and, and that that Star bolsters Wars. my argument that it's the themes that he's known for, and I completely agree. But that's what makes the movie. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, True. we're we're gonna. I want to talk just about this one topic for the rest of the. I'll stay for an hour if we can talk about it. Okay. Well, we're probably gonna circle back to it uh, because we're gonna talk about the music of Star Trek. And what II. was what was the? Let me ask you this. Hum me the music from Crimson Tide. I've not seen oh, that shit. film. Exactly. Nobody can do that. I doubt <laughs> Hans Zimmer can even do. It. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I can remember a few a few themes, but they were like. They were what the Marines or the the Navy were singing or something in the background, some vocal parts. But that's it. And I can't I don't even take anything tunes. away. He did. Zimmer did the uh, the score for uh, Gladiator, didn't he? Yes, he did, and it was an awesome score. Yeah, but you can't whistle that tune either. I can't you're, whistle. You're that right. Either. I mean, I I can think of a little bit of it, but um, you know, you're right. And it's been a while since I listened to it, so I can't bring it right to mind. But you're right. I think you're right that I can immediately call to mind <laughs> several iconic scores from from John Williams and. For that, I applaud him, and I do like. I'm not. I think maybe oh, I stated my case I too strongly, but I just think that he he fails a little bit to capture the. By nuances. the end of the show, you're going to be his biggest fan. Uh, okay, That's right. all right, we'll see about that. I I don't think so. I've felt this way for a long time. <laughs> but related, Carrie Fisher uh, teases Star Wars Episode Seven. Uh, Ian McDermott is pretty sure Emperor Palpatine won't be back. Well. Duh. <laughs> Do you think so? It actually occurred to me that he might come back as like a blue ghost or something. Somebody, Maybe because he's on the dark side, he'd be a purple ghost or something. Somebody did make a great point that he might <laughs> uh, come back like as a clone. But I really don't. I can't see Abrams going no. there. Oh, please, no. Yeah, hopefully Abrams will kill that one. Yeah, I, I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on that, Dan? This is this is a quick thing, but... I don't, not really. Okay. So Star Wars Seven, I still have mixed feelings whether Star Wars Seven is going to be any good. Um, and we'll talk. Oh, it's got to be some good. Uh, all right, it can't be as bad as the three prequels. I'll, I'll put it exactly. that way. Well, it could, but it's not likely. Mm. All right, um, Netflix is now bigger than HBO. Now, this is a topic that I find really just fascinating, and and the reason is because I uh, I don't know about you, Dan. I don't have um, any cable into my house i mean i have cable internet but i don't have it hooked up to my tv at all i get all of my media via either i go to the theater and watch it or it's streaming otherwise it's just streaming and occasionally i might rent a blu-ray from uh from the red box and so it's fascinating to me that hbo is losing ground to netflix i mean this is this is astounding this is crazy when what do you what do you guys think hmm well, it was inevitable. You know, HBO is just one station. I think that they're pretty big and everybody has them, but inevitably, you know, people want the, the common man on his couch wants to watch everything on Netflix. Yeah, I do too. Yeah. I get frustrated that current TV shows are not instantly available. So we've talked about right. this a think lot. Of Mad Men. Yeah, we've I, talked I'm about- going through that series right now and I, I sometimes I just miss an episode. I want to catch it on Netflix. I can't. Okay. You know, I we talked about this before, so I'm not gonna I'm not going to belabor it. But I just find it interesting. Like, what is you know, it, it, you know, people say that that this whole streaming internet thing, this is not going to go anywhere because people they're not tech savvy enough to do it or whatever. And and that's true. Up until recently, these things have been very geeky. But it's starting as as more and more set top devices have Netflix, uh, Apple TV. I mean, I'm I use the Apple TV, but it's also on the Wii. You know, you've got your Roku's and stuff. I mean, it's it's, it's Xbox, yeah, yeah, it's catching on. So, 
I'll put that link in the show notes. That'll be there. All well, right. HP only recently came to devices like iOS devices, the iPad, right? But Netflix has been on there for a couple of years. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. All right, I'm about to move on. Dan, do you have any thoughts on this one? Uh, how much time do I have? Uh, as much time as you want. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I definitely have a lot of thoughts on this. This is something that I think about all the time. First of all, you don't have anything. I've got everything. I've got cable, everything but satellite. I've got cable. I've got everything. Okay. Because I have kids. And they, they, you say, oh, there's great stuff on Netflix for kids. Not my kids. They want Netflix. They want everything. So, I mean, you got to get the latest Adventure Time. You can only get that through cable or some, you know, illegal means, which I just don't <laughs> like. I don't, and it's not to have a problem with that. I just don't have time for it. Yeah, it's I just don't have time to, to go do torrents. So, yeah, no, it's no surprise for me that Netflix is bigger than HBO because there's such a minimal commitment with Netflix. You can go out there and spend 50, 60 bucks, whatever it is for a Roku, and then you spend 10 bucks a month and you've got Netflix. Yeah. And you've got a Wii, you've got Netflix. You've got half a, you know, it's TVs that have Netflix, you know, that you can get on there. So I it's no surprise. Even Android has Netflix. Absolutely. Even, yeah. So. And you can, you can get and watch all of the stuff on all of your devices easily. When I was, I was miserably sad. I was the sickest I've been in. Uh, this is not an exaggeration. TJ, it's not an exaggeration. I was sicker than I've ever been in my whole life a few weeks ago. Yeah, we were worried about you, those who listen to your regular shows. I almost died. <laughs> wow. I, I've, I've got the impression you're being facetious, but maybe not. <laughs> so I'm laying there, I'm laying there, and I start watching Mad Men with the computer on my stomach watching Mad Men on Netflix. And that's that's how I got through, you know, some of the days where all I could do is just like <laughs> lay there. But, you know, you can't do that with HBO. We don't have a TV in our bedroom. Listen to me. Don't put a TV in your bedroom. I agree. I completely agree. It's the agree. worst thing you can do. Ruins your sleep patterns. Ruins your life. Don't do it. So I, but you know, I'm sitting there. It's three in the afternoon. I'm like laying there feeling awful. You got to do something. So I'm watching, you know, Mad Men. All I had to do was go to Netflix.com. It installs a little thing. You can't do any of that. I mean, yes, you can go and get an app for your iPad. If you already pay for HBO and you have the subscriber, you can do some on-demand stuff. Yes, you can do that. But I'll tell you what, Netflix, the the choices that are there and the things that are there are are pretty amazing. For me, HBO has transformed. And what HBO is for me now, today, 2013, it is a production company making a few outstanding series and right. for me the shift happened back in the sopranos time periods so you had sopranos you had six feet under and uh the ladies like that uh one what's it one the ladies like hattie the one with jessica parker louise parker thing sex in the city yeah uh, hmm. you had those shows going on and you had HBO producing and, and they still, they're doing it now. Boardwalk Empire is amazing. You know, that's a great show. That Game of Thrones, great show. But yeah. that's it's, what HBO to me is. It's these wonderful series that they do. That's the only reason to have HBO. We don't watch anything else on HBO anymore. Yeah. And, and right. you know what? I'm not familiar with any of these shows because I can't get them on missing Hulu. Out. Right. I'm, I, I am missing out. And I understand that, but I can't get them on Netflix or Hulu uh, and so I, I just, you know what, I've got better shows, better things to do with my time. So, um, mm. this is coming from the movie buff. I know, I know. And I, I mean, I'm going to go to theaters and watch movies, no doubt. But, uh, yeah, it, 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 it frustrates me that they're not being made available in a, in a manner that would make it easy for me to consume. Mm. So, 
uh, yeah, I, convenience factor is yeah key. Yeah. So, um, you but know, I mean, I, I, I don't, you know, those shows are great. I think it's certainly possible that you could say, all right, I don't mind being a season behind on game of Thrones. I'll right. go and get the, you know, if you do a DVD or blue or whatever, or you just get it on, uh, you know, you get it when it comes to iTunes. I, I mean, I'm perfectly fine with that too. I just feel bad that you're missing the shows entirely. Oh, I feel bad too. I feel sorry for me. I mean, it's terrible. (laughs) Can't you buy them on iTunes? Uh, I think you can. Almost. I mean, can can you personally? I know you can. Uh, well, I mean, I could, I just don't want to spend 60 bucks when I, you know, look, I'm already paying 10 bucks a month for 60 bucks for a season. I'm already paying 10 bucks a month for Hulu, 10, uh, seven bucks, 10, like eight or nine bucks a month for Netflix. I'm paying for Amazon prime, which I, you know, use on my Wii U. What do you watch on Hulu? What are you watching on that? Uh, I'm watching revolution, um, bones. My wife, I, I, bones is okay. I'm a, my wife is a big fan. Uh, what else? Boy, there was we lost several shows over the last couple of years, that, and I just haven't gotten into many new ones yet. But Revolution is is a is a big deal to me. I I, I like that show. I want to like it more than I do actually. It was uh, forty forty bucks thirty eight ninety nine for Game of Thrones. Season okay, one. I may make. I'll, room buy, in, I'll buy it for you. Okay, I may make room in my budget, but you know you got to understand. I, I'm you know it, depending on I'm I'm freelance and depending on how things are, I may be scraping pennies. You know so uh, anyway. Uh, there was another link I was going to talk about, Broadcast TV's Nightmare. I'm going to skip over that because uh, we've spent plenty of time on that topic. I'll go ahead and put it in the show notes uh, of how uh, mobile uh, iPad TV usage and mobile apps are taking uh, over uh, broadcast TV. So <clears throat> I did want to talk a little bit more, th- and this is a little more relevant to the review we're about to get to, which is the Wrath of Khan, Star oh. Trek Into Darkness clip. And there's been a ton of stuff coming out for Star Trek Into Darkness over the last couple of weeks. Just an- that new trailer kind of started a cascade and now they've been releasing clips and featurettes and different things. Um, as much as I am not the biggest fan of Abrams reboot, um, I got to say, not? I'm, why not? Why I'm not? a little excited for star Trek into darkness. Okay. Why am I not a big fan of Abrams reboot? Um, he went for way too much whiz bang flash pow, the, you know, all the lens flares and he kind of missed in, he didn't completely miss the heart of what star Trek is, but he did in a lot of ways. And I, I, I get frustrated with the frrenetic pace overbearingly. So like the now, camera TJ, completely never clarify, stops. Though, to clarify what you're saying, where would you put it on the chart with all the rest of the star Trek films? Uh-huh. Being a Trekkie, I have a chart. <laughs> in Evernote here and I'm pulling I'm pulling it up right now. Um Star Trek 2009 3 of 5 stars as opposed to uh let, let, let's say that the worst Star Trek film is the motion picture. I give that 2 of 5 stars. The first Star Trek film, terrible film. The Wrath of Khan is 5 wow. of 5 and you know you kind of go down from there. The Undiscovered Country is 4 of 5. Uh, First Contact is 4 of 5. So so um there are several films that are ahead of that film on my chart. Hmm. Well, you still like it. You just, it's not one of your favorites. That's right. It's, it's, it's still, okay. you know, I, Dan, here's how we do our ratings. Um, two, two and a half stars out of five is kind of a middle, middle of the road. You can watch it, but you don't have strong feelings about it one way or the other, right? Like okay. there's negative things, but the positive things kind of balance it out. And then when you go over that, you're in on the positive side of the scale. If you go under that, you're, you're in the negatives. Okay. And so that, that's kind of how we think about our star ratings. Yeah. Um, and so I give two, Star Trek 2009 three of five stars. That's how I think about it. It's a little bit like I, I enjoyed it. Um, and whereas The Wrath of Khan, it is in my top favorite films. Mm-hmm. No, so. I'm not a Trekkie and I didn't grow up with them. So I have no right to speak about them. But <laughs> I, I, I right. enjoy Chris Pine's Kirk a little bit better. 
uh, in general for its entertainment value. But then we had that uh, screenwriter on here on the podcast. Yeah, Melinda Snodgrass. Yes. And she was explaining from her time with the Star Trek Next Generation, you know, series, how all the writers criticized, you know, you know, they, they were looking at what they were trying to do in the movies and they criticized these diehard Trekkies that were writing for a TV show were criticizing what they were doing with the movies. And uh, in particular with this new one by Abrams, um, she kind of ruined it for me as far as the, the spirit of good sci-fi was concerned, but I still enjoy it. I just, I can't look at it the same way now that's not grass ruined it for me. Yeah. What is your feeling on uh, Star Trek 2009, Dan? Yeah. I mean, I, in general, I agree with you guys. Um, TJ, especially with what you said in that, in that, you know, but it is very much a film of the times. It's times. Yeah. Yes. That's true. I agree with that. And, and if you're going to make a movie in the 2000s, you're going to take the things that were good about the Star Trek uh, universe. You're going back to the original Enterprise time period. You're going to say, what, what were the cool things about that? Well, Let's use those and we'll just, uh, we'll update the world that those things and the universe that those things exist in. And we'll right. do a movie that's going to appeal to people who are 23, 24 years old and younger and not necessarily pay any mind to the people who loved the series or loved the characters or whatever that came before it. Yeah. It was, you know, it was very much a reinventing of it. And I think that it, it the goal wasn't necessarily to, Make the people who loved Star Trek and loved the old Star Treks happy. It it was to to take something that was cool and make it relevant to today. And that's I think what they did. I mean, look at look at the previews that are coming out for uh, Pacific Rim. (laughs) I I think that okay. I Pacific Rim has the chance to be. The movie that it, it, in in that in the genre that it is, it that may just be the movie that has Hattie sitting here nodding. That has everything. This may be the movie. Yeah. We've been, what have you, Hattie? You've seen these? Yeah, no, they just look so cool. I mean, it kind of you got giant it's what, robots. It's what Transformers wanted and to be, giant but monsters do it. Yeah. fighting. You've got what looks like the ultimate kung, boy movie, kung fu. Mm-hmm. The, the robot picks up a, a, a ship. And sw- yeah, hits intense. the monster in the head with like a baseball bat. I showed this to my five-year-old. He's play it again, Dad. Play it again, Dad. <laughs> I mean, and that's and exactly I'm- why I think this is going to be a terrible film. I, I, I I've been wrong before. Pacific I, Rim. Yeah, no. <laughs> I'm not looking forward to this. film. I'm ready to see it. I'm in line to see it right now. All like right. I'm standing and we're doing this from the line. I'm ready to get tickets. This could be the movie I've been waiting my whole life for. I mean, look. I hope you're right. I really hope you're right. I'm never more happy than when I'm wrong about my opinion that a film is going to be bad. But this doesn't look like a good film to me. It looks like it's going to be a testosterone-fueled thing with no real plot, no no, no substance. But Well, I, I'm a big fan of Del Toro, so it's Plus hard they for got me to Glad believe OS in it. Come on. Well, that's true. Glad, Glad OS, that's awesome. I, I'll see I, any movie she's in. <laughs> agreed. I, 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 that was pretty awesome. And I, uh, the first trailer, I think, had that in it, right? Was it the first one, that the little teaser they posted? I put yeah, it on movie they got it in the second one, too. Yeah. Bit. Yeah, and she's still in there, but I think they've toned her down a little bit. And I think ultimately it's going to be weird if they keep her voice as GLaDOS, but uh, well, we'll see. I, I love Portal. But um, mm. anyway, so Star Trek Into Darkness now, of course, is going to be following up on Star Trek 2009. And 
you know, I, I can't help but get excited about it because it is Star Trek regardless. And I, I figure it can't be any worse than Star Trek 2009. And I did like Star Trek 2009 in many ways. Uh, with you know, with, and we're not reviewing that film, so I'm not going to get way into it. But just you know, there were things that bothered me about it, and I, I wanted I wanted to like it more than I wound up liking it. Now, has Abrams ever done a sequel before? I don't think so. He didn't really. He hasn't done a. Sequel I don't think before. he has. He's he's actually you know he's relatively a new director. I mean, well, n- he's n- new to cinema. He's he's right. he's experienced on television. Sure, but he's relatively new to cinema. You're right. That's a good good distinction to make, Joe. Uh, so in some ways he's unproven on this this sort of thing, but um, you know Star Trek Into Darkness looks like it's going to be, despite some a couple of misgivings I have, which we talked about when we had Anthony Pascal on the podcast a couple weeks ago. Uh, for those who missed that episode, I believe that was episode forty. Uh, Anthony Pascal of TrekMovie dot com. We talked about that. So if you want to hear more about my thoughts on what's coming up with Star Trek Into Darkness, uh, go go catch that one. Let's move on. We're kind of already there. We've been talking a little bit about Star Trek world in general. We're going to move on to our main review topic today, which is Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. Um, this, this film is, uh, it is one of my favorite films. It's not my, my, my favorite film would have to be The Matrix. I've mentioned this before. And, uh, but this is right behind it. I mean, you know, is that the music I hear in the background? That is the opening music for Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan. This is, come on, I'm I'm playing with my mixer, man. It's my new mixer. Ah. So, um, this film, and it's, you know, it's really hard for me to separate. I mean, I was born in 1982. This film came out in 1982, but I kind of grew up with the film. Like, and I've been a Trekkie for a long time. Uh, and this film, so it's, it's hard for me to separate my emotional attachment to the film from, from what I consider to be the filmmaking, the good filmmaking. But I think there's a lot, you know, it is an 80s film, but there's a lot of good filmmaking in here. And I love this film so much. Um, Dan, how do you feel about this film in general? Well, I'm 10 years old watching this movie. I see it in the theater. And this thing, I had seen the first Star Trek movie, also in the theater. And I did not understand it. <laughs> and I've watched it again recently, and I'm still, I'm about a quarter of the way further than I was when I was a little <laughs> kid. This movie, this is Star Trek II, is everything good, with one exception, everything good about the original Star Trek series. And, and which to me is the Star Trek series. I mean, I did watch. The Next Generation when I was young. Uh, but the original Star... This is everything good about it. And Great. there's there's all of the characters are strong. They know who they are. You've got a bad... Can I say badass on this show? Yeah, I think that one's okay. We You've do have got, the clean tag, but I think that's okay. That'll be fine. You've got a badass uh, enemy, totally worthy in every way of going, you know, toe-to-toe with, with uh, Kirk and the Starship Enterprise as a whole. I mean, it is it is a great, great story. The acting is great in it, in in a way that just just a little tiny bit campy by today's standards. Sure, but but good, and it's not off putting. You could show this movie to you know. Again, I base this on now on my kid. He's five. If I, if I could show this to him and he'd be like, "That's cool." Then I know it's still a good movie. Caddyshack, the only part he likes is the little uh, the little gopher at the beginning and the end dancing. 
The rest of the movie he doesn't care about, and I don't think he, he'll ever care about them. So you're saying you did show this to your five-year-old son, and he loved it? Yeah, he's seen, he has not seen the movie in its entirety. I mean, he's only five, and this is a right. long So you, you didn't show movie. him the set of eels, probably? Uh, no, I definitely w- will show him that, though. It was just that we didn't – that part was – it was on TV when I, uh, when I had him in there watching it. Absolutely would show him that. Because he he's obsessed with you know insects and the, you know the human body and diseases he thinks is fascinating. <laughs> so the idea that something this would not horrify him at five the way it horrified me at ten. Okay, uh, but it's still it, you know that scene still is a little bit horrifying, right? I mean they you know I, even knowing and going in and delving effective. into the special features and knowing how they made the set of eels look like they were crawling across the face and everything, it's still very effective, right? I mean it really creeps you out it's better than some of the puppetry in the original star wars yeah yeah pretty good i would agree it's great stuff and and it's you know so much happens in this movie think about what happens in this movie yeah well there's so much going on here yeah well and and uh especially me being a a trekkie and and you know listening and reading and watching all the special features and the things that nick meyer the director has said and and going back and rewriting scenes because he went and he wrote the ending with with spoiler alert spock's death right and then he comes back he goes well and and then okay one of my favorite things about this film is the opening sequence uh right you've you've got uh you've got captain you know savik stardate Right, yeah, like that, that, that's not that's not Captain Starship Kirk. What is that, right? Training mission to Gamma right, because oh, right, you actually hear her voiceover before she's on screen. Right, right, and you're sitting here wondering. I mean, I it's hard for me to place myself in that in that mindset because I've always been familiar with this film as long as I can remember. But I'm thinking of how people must have felt in the theater. They're like, "Who is that? That's not Captain Kirk." Captain's Len, and you've got you see Spock and Uhura and all the different people on the bridge, and yet it's a different, strange captain. Well, that scene came to be. Because the death scene leaked, right? Like even before the internet in 1982 and 81, you know, they had this problem with the script leaking. And, and that script leaked. And so Nick Meyer, he's, he's going, how do I get people to sit down and enjoy this film and, and forget that there's a death scene coming up for Spock? Oh, I'll write, I'll write a death scene for Spock in the beginning of the film. And so they, they come up with the Kobayashi Maru sequence. You know, Spock, quote unquote, dies, right? And then he turns out it's a simulation. He didn't actually die. I, I, that's just a, a great so much creativity there and and it, it from what from what i know of of reading about how people react to the film it worked so well because people are like oh that's what leaked okay no big deal and then you go on with the film and until that cut later in the film i'm jumping way ahead but until that cut when they cut to spock's empty chair on the bridge when kirk looks over and spock's not there and mccoy's on the line telling him you better hurry um Nobody thought about it again for the rest of the film. You sat down and you enjoyed the film. So much creativity there. That scene at the end where Spock dies from the radiation poisoning, that one was the one that haunted me, not the SETI worms. Oh, yeah. Well, and it's it's so well written. I, I wrote a review for this film a couple days ago, and one of the things I said was I think that's one of the best written death scenes, period. Not just for Star Trek, but period. I, I mean, it, it, I, I cannot watch this film without uh, – uh, wiping my eyes a little bit, you might say. <laughs> I mean, it, it it it's still moving, and I've seen this film a hundred times. Mm. So, uh, it it's still it's still moving. We we've jumped way ahead. Let, let me just let me just uh, mention a few things here. This theater, oh, uh, this theater, this movie opened in theaters on June fourth, nineteen eighty two. It made um, it had a budget of eleven point two million, and I, I did I I found a website that would let me calculate the inflation adjusted amount. 
So that that amount now would be a, approximately twenty seven um, uh, billion dollars. Do I have that? I'm sorry, twenty seven million? million. I'm sorry, okay. not billion. So twenty seven million. <laughs> it opened to fourteen point three million, which on a budget of eleven point two, it opened to fourteen point three. So it already on opening weekend made back its money, uh, oh. which is not the how, the first film did not do that. Um, and inflation adjusted, that would be thirty four million is what this film opened to. I mean, even by today's standards. If you make a film for $27 million and it opens to 34 that's a huge success. And uh, uh, over time, it grossed $78.9 million. And again, one more time, adjusted for inflation, $190.3 million. This film was incredibly successful. Not to mention all the money they made back from all the merchandise they sold to collectors over the last 30 years. Right. Yeah, although it's not been merchandise. Star Trek has never been merchandised the way Star Wars has. But there's there's definitely some merchandise. But but this film, um, you know, there have been more successful, you know, in terms of monetary um, monetary profit. It, there have been more successful Star Trek films later. But at the time, this was this was a lifesaver sure. for Star Trek. I mean, they were coming out of the motion picture. It's amazing this film even got the green light because the motion picture was a flop. It was a huge flop. Um, so on Rotten Tomatoes, the critical acclaim is, is considered by many fans to be the best of the Star Trek movies. Khan features a strong plot, increased tension, and a sharp supporting performance from Ricardo Montalban. So who, who was Khan? And yes. he was Khan even in the original show. That's mm-hmm. right. That's and right. That's, a, that's very important because there weren't that many villains that reprised their characters in the movies. And I, I just loved that. That yeah. was one of the reasons I appreciated it because something like you said, TJ, in your written review – there was continu- continuity added here that That's they right. had tied in the original series. And That's and that what I mean. Huge. It was it was absolutely Kirk's fault that this whole thing happened. Absolutely, and and that's one of the things that I think I've I've enjoy the most. This is this introduced continuity into Star Trek that we'd never seen before. Like each and every episode previous to this, and even the first film. Were, they were pretty much um, one-shot deals, right? That, they, that Yeah, there was no Star Trek Next Generation yet. Right, and even Star Trek Next Generation had this problem where most episodes, except for the two-parters, right. were one-shot deals, and they never referred back much to what happened before. And the original series never referred back to what happened in any previous episodes ever, as far as I remember. And so this finally – and, and here's the thing where we don't think about this as much with TV now. Most of your TV – most of your good TV shows, the ones that I enjoy, they have – arcs that span entire seasons or even entire shows right it's just it's and emphasized in practically every that, tv show that was now. non-existent in this time period it was the era of tv shows it was just non-existent and and so i loved in this film looking back at what happened in an episode called space seed have you have, have, have both of you seen the episode space yes. Seed? Oh, yes of course yes and and it wasn't like it was an okay episode it wasn't to me it wasn't a great episode um and and Frankly, as much of a Trek fan as I am, I'm, I'm a fan of newer Trek. I really like Star Trek The Next Generation. I really like Deep Space Nine. The original series had a few good episodes, but there were some pretty bad episodes. The Space Seed falls somewhere in the middle, and yet, for me anyway, and yet it made the best Star Trek film as far as I'm concerned. What, what, are, what are you guys' general thoughts on Space Seed? Well, I, it was the first episode I ever saw, and really? I don't know. It was – it was pretty good, but I was only 10 years old and I was watching it because there was um, an event going on nearby. My older brother was going to go to see William Shatner live and in person with some other Trek fans. And because they were going to that event, they were talking about their favorite episodes and their favorite movies. And so I saw it when I was about 10 years old and I thought it was a pretty big deal as far as 
sci-fi was concerned. But I hadn't seen the rest of the series yet, and I was fascinated by Khan, and I, I still am, because I think that he was one of the best premises. It may not have been the best episode in terms of um, developing his potential. Yeah, yeah, I think it was the execution. The film, right. The, the film makes up for it, and it, it makes a great prologue. Dan? That's, you know... I mean, for me, again, it didn't, it never jumped out at me at the time as being some kind of an epic, no, uh, yeah. you know, e- episode. There were plenty of other episodes that I absolutely would have picked as being, wow, that was either much more entertaining or much more interesting or whatever. But it, that doesn't matter to me. What mattered was, and again, at 10, at 10 years old, this didn't really matter. But later, as I, you know, as I got older and rewatched the series multiple times, just the fact that they, they could have come up with an entirely new story. They didn't need this to be con. It could have been some guy we got sent to a planet we never saw before. But the fact was, you had a great actor. You had what was a good story originally, I think. And there was a way to bring it back. And you know what? This is one of the lessons that you guys will learn in your life when you're a little bit older is that your, your past always uh, comes back to haunt you. And this is Kirk's absolutely his past coming back to haunt him in a, in a, in a big way. Oh, absolutely. That, that thing that he did one time where he actually thought he was doing something good. He's sending these, these, these people away to a planet that should be a great planet for them to live on. Well, yeah. I didn't know the star was going to, you know, whatever was going to happen out there. I had no idea that yeah. this was going to become, you know, this desert planet that was going to be, uh, you know, a living hell. Yeah. And that, that there would be these, you know, yeah. uh, these awful parasites that would, you know, kill your, your wife. I mean, he didn't know that. Yeah. Admiral Kirk never bothered right. to check on our progress. You know, yeah, definitely. This is Teddy Alpha 5. That place. <laughs> yes. So, um. Yeah, I, you know, one, one, one of the things, too, about this film, I mean, it, yes, the villain, Khan as a villain is great, but you know what struck me, um, it actually struck me uh, when I watched this film about a year ago before I watched it in preparation for this episode, is that Khan actually doesn't get a whole lot of screen time, but when he's on screen, he really owns the scene, right? Like, when he's on the screen, you feel his <laughs> presence so much. He hardly ever lets anyone else talk. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and and he he owns that scene. Like he is the focus of whatever scene he's in. But beyond that, like one of the things that I really really enjoyed about this film it, that was so missing in the first film is the character relationships. The um they, they just were not existent in the first film. There was no relationship, you know, the triangle, Bones, Spock and McCoy, it just wasn't there. And in this film, obviously one of the main focuses is Spock and Kirk's relationship and uh you are my great. superior officer. You are also my friend. I have been and always shall be yours. And, and you know, that, that kind of flows right along uh, to me and to my mind. It flows right along with one of my other great likes for this film is I think that this is some of the best script writing out there. I mean, some of the best dialogue that you can find is, is in this film. Uh, it well, has, and, and to clarify, I would, I would agree with you, TJ. Would you agree for this reason that it seems rather honest and just kind of frank with people and you know, it's, it's exposing itself to the audience and yet it still works. That's one of the things I appreciate about the script. Yeah. I think you need to clarify a little what you, what you're trying well, to say. Joe. The, the, the screenplay doesn't, it's not pretentious. It's not grandiose. Oh, except sure. For when it pertains to Khan, you know, he, that's his, his persona, but for everybody else, 
they're just being honest on screen. Yeah, no, they're I agree. Man, and they're not trying to hide anything anymore. They, they, they're laying all the cards on the table. And that was, that was new. And that was, I bet you that was quite the opposite extreme as to uh, the previous film, you know, Star Trek, the motion picture. Oh, that film. And, yeah. and I want to get Dan's opinion on, on the first film since we're talking about it. Yeah, I still um, don't understand it completely. Yeah, that, that first film, it took itself so seriously and it was so heavy and they were, they were trying to be bigger and greater than they were. You Dan, know, a lot of people say that they were inspired by 2001 Space Odyssey with that film. Do you agree with that? Oh, well, I mean, it definitely fits into the same category of, you know, the concept of this, this probe that originally, well, sorry, we're going to spoil this movie. Go ahead. It's fine. You know, they send the, 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 the Voyager out and, you know, it essentially, it, it, it inspires some kind of race of beings, artificially intelligent beings to create the thing and go and find the maker. And, you know, I mean, it's, it's out there in that 2001 kind of genre by comparison, yeah. the Wrath of Khan is very much more in the, what, what you could, you could say more modern take on what goes on in, in space, which is the Star Wars take on going on when they you know you got people flying around in ships shooting each other you got a, a an enemy that has got to be destroyed and you get a planet at stake yeah and that's adventure. basically you know that's that's the more modern take on it whereas the 2001 is the more contemplative take on it and uh, you know this this fully truly evolved and strange and very different alien intelligence that we don't understand you know and and making that personal and that's kind of what happened in in 2001 definitely what i think happened in uh, in the first Star Trek movie. Yeah, now I'm going to make an admission that, that may anger you, Dan. I know it would anger like John Gruber if, if, if he could ever hear this. I don't like 2001 A Space Odyssey. I hate that film. And <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm going to let you, I'm going to let you guys react to that. Tell us, tell us how you really feel. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't actually have a reaction to that. I'm okay. going to just continue as if you hadn't said it. <laughs> All right. Well, the first film, I think everything that I hated about 2001 a space odyssey which was everything was in that star trek film now i don't hate the first star trek film like as much as i hate 2001 a space odyssey because i can still find good things to like about the motion picture but it you know it just it didn't work it it didn't work on any level and so you know i think that that's why they brought in a tv producer harv bennett to make star trek 2 they then he hired nick meyer who had not a lot of knowledge about star trek who went in and, and actually, even though he's not credited, he, he basically made the screenplay what we see now. There was an, an existing screenplay that was really bad. Like uh, Spock in the initial screenplay was uh, written to die in the middle of the film. Bef- I mean, and, and th- that has that to be the climax. That has to be the climax. You know, you, you can't have Spock die in the middle and then go on with your Star Trek film. That just, that just wouldn't work. Doesn't work. No, it doesn't work. Well, well that, what would that have meant that Khan was defeated in the middle of the movie? I mean, come on. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I I don't know what that would have meant. Maybe maybe like I I uh, unfortunately I haven't like read the screenplay of the of the original screenplay. But I wonder if like maybe you know that wasn't the end of Khan. Like he set some sort of trap, and in order to save the Enterprise, Spock would have you know, and then they would have gone on fighting Khan. I don't know. But all yeah. I know is that would have been a terrible move. That would have been a terrible move. So absolutely. Um, and, and mm. yeah, um, you know, one of the things too, we can move on to uh, the music, which uh. You know, I'm kind of fighting my tendency here, Dan. I actually just listened. I finally watched for the first time recently Goodfellas, and then I listened to your episode of Five by Five at the Movies with John Syracuse, which, by yeah, the way, yeah. I'm, I'm really disappointed that you guys didn't – like, I thought that was going to be a thing. It is. 
Okay. There's only you know, one episode. something good like that, you know, so what? Okay. All right. I just I mean, thought... It's a good show. You don't want to rush it. Okay. See, shows like that take time. When, when is the next episode? Hmm. I don't want to say that here. (laughs) Okay. Plans. All right. All right. Okay. Well, we'll we'll look forward to more of that. But I I I finally and I when it came out, I was like, oh man, I I need to watch Goodfellas and I need to listen to this episode and hear Dan and and John talk about this thing. And I finally, because I knew you were coming on the podcast, that my time was up. I've got to listen and see what your feelings are on this film. I want to do the same thing that Syracuse did. I'm fighting my tendency to do that because we really don't do that on movie by podcast. But you know where he goes scene by scene and talks about everything that happened in that in that scene. Uh, so I'm finding my tendency to do that, but we're, I think at this point we can talk about the music composed by James Horner and, um, you know, he's following up on probably the only really good point of the previous film, which is, uh, you know, Jerry Goldsmith's score. And, and I think that even the, even people like me who hate the first film, uh, they love Jerry Goldsmith's score and I would have to agree, but James Horner followed up with this amazing score for Star Trek 2 that was nothing like Jerry Goldsmith's right, score. Right, right, right. But it worked really, really well. I, I have no complaints with the score whatsoever. Yeah, just for the record, Dan, we're big fans of soundtracks. And uh, we, love, we love talking about them. It was, this was also the first movie I listened to its soundtrack in full when I was a kid. And I agree, it was great. I listened to it over and over again. I, and I was expecting all the other Star Trek films to have equally great soundtracks, and they, you know, some of them did. They all had the great theme, but as a whole, they weren't as interesting. Yeah. Hmm. It, it, what is that there? Is that like Khan's theme? No, this is the surprise. This is called, this track is called Surprise Attack. This is when um, Kirk has been called to the bridge, and uh, he, the, the Reliant is approaching and oh, right. they the don't know time. what on earth is going on. Like, why can't they raise the Reliant on the comm? And, uh, Captain that was a great dramatic moment. Admiral Kirk does not raise the shields. What is he thinking? Got caught with his britches down. You know, all that good stuff. So, do you have any feelings and thoughts about the score, Dan? I mean, you know, I, I'm not like a score guy. Um, it, I think this is an example of something that it's not memorable in the way a John Williams typical John Williams piece is going to be memorable in that you can hum it necessarily later, but you can play a little bit, at least for people who have loved this movie, you can play a little bit of it and I'll be like, Oh yeah, yeah. Or at the con. And so that, that falls into an interesting space for me. And again, for me, it's like if I can hear that composition and I can, that'll take me back to the movie. Then I think the composer has has done their job. Yeah. And, 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 you know, for me, it's hard for me to make that determination and that judgment because I'm so familiar with the film that anytime I hear any part of the score, I can identify exactly what scene that goes with, right? Like I could tell you when, 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 uh, Joe was asking me, where did that come from? I knew exactly where we were at in the film as soon as I played it. Um, and, uh, so it's hard for me to make that judgment, but I have heard that about the score from other people that it, it, it takes them back to the specific scenes in the film. And I think that, that, that means it's a, a well-done score, in my opinion. And, you know, it, it could have been really hard. Like, uh, it had to be really hard for James Horner to, to look at the, of the score for the previous film and go, okay, now what do I do? It's already been done. How, how do I fix it? How do I make something better? Because the producers didn't want any connection with the first film that was such a flop. They, that's why they hired James Horner and not Jerry Goldsmith, is they wanted something else. So it, it could have been bad, and yet 
it went really well. I, it's 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 just amazing how many of the pieces fell into the right places for this mm-hmm. film to be good. You know, one thing that I've said on previous episodes when we've brought it up or we've talked about budget and stuff is that you know, eleven million dollars even even back then uh, it was not a lot of money, and and yet this is one of the best Trek films. And I think that so often, so many people throw so much money, so many producers and studios throw so much money at these films. And you're not forced the, – the filmmakers are not forced to be creative and create a really good film that way. And so when they have too much money, it, it just it, – it spoils the film. I don't think that's always the case, but I think that certainly here they were forced to get creative with what money they had, and they created a great Star Trek film. Mm. So – all right, um, let's talk about uh, just a little bit more. We've touched on it a little bit, but I think this scene deserves a lot more. We, we need to talk about the framing and, and the scene of, of Spock's death uh, because this was a big deal. And as far as people knew at the time, this was the end of Star Trek. This was the last we would see of Star Trek. And and one of the things that happened here is that Nick Meyer, he wrote the death scene and it, there, there was no uh, mind meld with McCoy. There was no... You know, there was no remember. Um, that, that just wasn't that wasn't there. I'm sorry, Doctor. I have no time to discuss this logically. Mm. Here it comes. Remember. So that okay. That was, so you're saying that you're saying that what that they didn't have any plans based on that? No, that's right. This was to be the last Star Trek film when it was initially when the script was written and when they started making the film. And then Harv Bennett, and, and I'm getting all this from a book called "I Am Spock" by Leonard Nimoy. And he tells the story of how there was no plans for future Star Trek. This was the last Trek film. This was a great death scene. This was the end of Spock. And this was how this was the final farewell for the, the Enterprise crew and for Spock. And Harv Bennett is on set and he's watching them shoot this scene. And he says, man, he, he's, and he's a TV producer. And he's thinking, what if we ever wanted to pick up the thread again? Is there anything we could do? And so he says to Nimoy, can you give me anything? Can you, can you improvise something that would let me have a handle to, to grab onto if we ever wanted to do another Star Trek film. And he came up with this scene. It, it's so short where he, he mind melds with McCoy and he says, remember. And that's it. That That's all. And, and so in the initial screening of this film uh, for the test audiences, there was no burial tube on Genesis. Uh, there there was no Spock voiceover of Space the Final Frontier at the very end. There, that wasn't there. And so all there was was this death scene. And then, oh, and by the way, uh, this uh, this Amazing Grace on bagpipes, I'm not a big fan of the bagpipes, uh, but at Spock's funeral, they play Amazing Grace on the bagpipes, and that's okay. But then there's this, if it'll play. Oops, that's not the right clip. I'm, I'm still figuring out how to work this thing, Dan. <laughs> Here it goes. That is probably the most orchestral score. Uh, anyway, so that, that, that's a sidetrack. Um, mm. So the test audiences reacted really badly. Like they they came out of the out of the theater and they were just you know teary eyed and sad and broken and and angry and I you know and so they Harv Bennett's like we got to do something else. So they filmed the additional scene on the planet of Spock's burial tube, and that's that's what saved Star Trek. It's why we have more Star Trek is because we 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 set it up. For them to say, oh, Spock's not really dead. 
And, you know, that should have like that should have taken away from the death scene, but it really didn't. Like, even though those scenes are there, it's still a very emotionally impacting scene. I mean, just just the whole um, man, I, I can't even describe it. Mm. Oh, we shall be your friend. Live long and prosper. I'm getting a little sad just listening to it right now. So, <laughs> yeah, we're, it's like we're reliving a memory. Yeah, it's part of our childhood. Yeah, it, it really is. It's part of mine. And I know Dan, you are old, you're a little older than us, but it's 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 a part of yours too. So, oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah and you know something that's pretty tremendous about that scene is how little they let Kirk talk. Just let Spock do the talking. Oftentimes in the original series, I wanted Spock to talk more. And I appreciated that he was reserved at times. Uh, but there was some episodes where the episode would feature Spock heavily and yet he would still not talk as much as I would like. And then in this film, Spock has some great lines and it, it mo- even moments when he was saying that he was, you know, that Kirk was his best friend. Th- that was a big deal because that's the way the audience felt about the two, but it wasn't often that Spock was so candid. So it meant a lot for us to hear it from him. And again, another one of those examples where great, the screenplay great, great made point. us feel intimate to him. Yeah. 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 I mean, and, and, and just the whole thing, they, they've kind of set this up throughout the whole movie and it kind of snuck up on you. You had no idea that this is where this is going, but you know, the whole Kobayashi Maru and Kirk, he doesn't like to lose. And and now all of a sudden he's standing there. His best friend is dying and he can't even touch him. He's separated by the glass. And and Spock says, I never took the Kobayashi Maru test until now. What do you think of my solution? And, and you know, it's so moving. You know, famously, Shatner has always wanted more dialogue and more lines and I want the lines. And, and that's kind of a famous thing. But all he says here is in, in, in just the way he's, I can't even reproduce the way he says it, but he just says Spock. That's all he says. And that's it's one of the most moving scenes <laughs> Right. Of, of, of any Star yeah. Trek ever. Yeah. So, and, and one of the things I wrote in my notes here is in this film, the thing that I really love about this film is the stakes are real and the sacrifice is real and Spock is not a red shirt. <laughs> so, all right, I've been doing a lot of talking, so if, if you guys want to chime in. Oh, It's well, your show. No, I like, I like listening to you talk about it because you've, you know, analyzed this. Right. You feel passionate about it. Yeah. I mean, it's who's going to get in the way of that? Yeah. That's, uh, I actually got that comment. I, I hadn't, one of the, one of the guys commented. We have Movie Byte has a Facebook account that we post all of our links to, and one of the guys commented on that. He said, "Boy, your passion really came through on this one." I said, "Did it? I, you know, I guess it did. I, I, I do love this film a lot. It's it is well written too. Yeah, it was a it was a good review. Yeah, I, I, and one of the things I was hoping that we might see is, uh, you know, after Abrams, let's go with the reins, is to take this new universe and let Nick Meyer do a film in this universe and see what he comes up with, but. All right, so well, we've, we've talked a we've, lot about the things yeah. that we like. Is, Joe, I know that you are not as much of a fan as I am, and it sounds like not as much as Dan is. Do you, do you want to talk about anything you didn't like? Well, Dan, help me out here. Um, I, I, I want to say that there's two reasons why this film isn't my favorite Star Trek film per se, and it's still, I can see why it's a fan favorite, but it doesn't, it, it's not especially an awesome film on its own to me. Uh, one of the reasons was, you know, when I was a kid, I was really big into Star Wars and it's hard for me to not be biased, but I just had a hard time relating to the Star Trek universe when I was already engrossed in Star Wars. Uh, Flash forward to today and I have a bigger open mind, but 
this film now is dated by modern standards. You know, it was modern for its time. And I think that Star Trek films, well, no, all sci-fi films are generally products of their time. But this film, though it, though it's technically well-designed, though it has great visual effects, though the set pieces don't feel cheap, it still feels like it's going to be dated by Star Trek standards for here on out. And that kind of gets in the way for me because not so much if I, hmm. Okay, here's the thing. I was watching my brother watch this movie about four months ago. I came into the house and he was watching the movie and he was like, hey, Joe, you want to sit down and watch this with me? And I was like, oh, sure. But I, I, I had a few interruptions, so I took a phone call while the movie was playing. And when I came- That's bad. And, yeah, it was. But when I went in and out of the movie, I realized just how- silly some things and dated some things appear in the movie when you're interrupted and you're looking at them and you're not in the moment. Well, that's true of any movie though, Joe. I disagree. I mean, if I'm interrupted in the middle of Batman Dark Knight and then I walk back in and start watching the movie, it's it's not it's not cheesy. It's not lost its, it's Dan, brilliance. Dan, help me help me gang up on my co-host here, Dan. Okay. Do you have well, any words for him? <laughs> I, I, I didn't properly set the framing for this. One of the reasons that you that we got you as, as a guest on this podcast, Dan, is I didn't know for sure, but hearing you on your many different shows, you'll make subtle Star Trek references, right? And especially with Syracuse, like that's one of the things I remember about Hypercritical is you're always trying to force a little Star Trek reference in here, and he would just completely ignore you. And I thought, well, man, yeah, and I don't. I think that's because he, <clears throat> excuse me, he's smart enough to know when he's out of his element. And, <laughs> and this is the thing. You know, he, he tries, he would try to sort of redirect and, and, or just ignore it because he knew that the minute that he would step into the world of Star Trek, that one of two things is going to happen. Either he's going to out himself as somebody who's so hardcore that, that even he would be embarrassed of it. <clears throat> Excuse me, number one <laughs> or number two. He, he really knew nothing about it and would, you know, was too intimidated. And I, I, <clears throat> I wouldn't blame him, but. I mean, I grew up, you got to understand, I grew up watching Star Trek in our house, growing up, in the evening. Sorry, I'm just, my throat is like still recovering. Mm, it's a fine. nightmare. You going to be okay? You need to oh, lie I'll, down? Uh, yeah, maybe. <laughs> we would watch the original Star Trek five nights a week, sometimes seven nights a week, because it was on, you know, one of these these cable channels. Right. This is back before the days of you know netflix and hulu and all the wonderful things we have now yeah so what you would do is you would go and she'd put on channel 35 and you would watch this thing during dinner and you'd be eating your sloppy joes and you'd watch star trek so i watch star trek every you know at least five if not more times a week and then you had the next generation come out and you'd watch that and then that went into syndication so you'd watch that every day and I got to know and love these characters and these shows. And I was not the type of guy, and I haven't really been this way about anything. I mean, I know, like, I, I enjoy watching football. I enjoy watching baseball. I am not the kind of person who can tell you, you know, what, what you know, statistics on, on pitching and hitting. And I, I, I just, I'm not that kind of person. I can remember, oh, this guy had a good year last year. Maybe he didn't. But I can't, I can't throw the numbers out. So, I never got into that aspect of, of Star Trek, of knowing in and out, oh, well, this happened on this episode and whatever. You know, I'm not, I'm not there, but I just really got into these characters, really got into the series 
and just the fun of it all. So for me, looking back at this movie, you know, again, going back to the Caddyshack reference, Caddyshack is dated on all levels. The things that made that movie uh, risque and pushed the limits and the boundaries back then, those things are, are so tame by today's standards that it almost doesn't, it's not, it, it, it's, it falls flat. The humor that at the time was so in your face today seems not even subtle. Yeah. And, it, you know, it, it's, it's just, so a movie like that, which at its time and for many years after was this great movie. Now you look at it and you're like, mm, ah, gosh, that's embarrassing. Well, The Wrath of Khan does not have that problem. In that the scenarios that that it it presents are are still valid. The you know yeah, it's not as exciting as the movies are today. It's not as big as the movies are today. But that's that's only not even half of what I think you know made that movie great at the time. It was a story about people. It was a story about characters. Exactly. And for many of us, it was a, it was a story about characters that like me, I'd known and loved for. Uh, for a while and then again having seen that movie as a 10 year old kid i came back and said i want to re i want to really get into all these other you know the, i want to watch all of these other episodes i want to see the one where he sent him to that planet you know and then so it, it kind of kicked that thing off for me the new star trek movie by the way i don't think anybody feels that no, i don't think not any i don't think there's one person on the planet earth who's walking out of the new star trek movie thinking I want to go back and watch all the old ones now. No, nope. they're saying I'm looking forward to the sequel to this. Agreed. Absolutely. That's one of the things I hate about the new film. I mean, again, I, I, I framed it earlier. I, I like it okay. But that is one of the things that I think is a major downside of that film. So anyway, hmm. the, um, the reason that I uh, thought – well, okay, so I told Joe when we were talking about who to get on the podcast to help balance out his negativity <laughs> was, uh, hey, this we've been looking for a way to get Dan on this show. He's been our inspiration for starting a show at all. Maybe he would like to get on for Star Trek. So if if you have any words for Joe here, and I, I guess you, you did just really kind of tell him what for on that. So You did. Uh, Joe, did you, did you want to say anything else about your negativity about this film? <laughs> Well, I, I think I still stand as just a, a very devout Star Wars fan, and I appreciate the original series. I have no appreciation for the prequels. So and- you're, saying, you're saying that you are, because this is something that's interesting to me. And let me draw an analogy, not to interrupt you, Joe, because right. I know you've, you've I think barely, I know where you're going with this. You've barely spoken in the last 68 minutes. Mm-hmm. The right. DJ really pretty much owns us. Right. Um, well, I'm, I'm just thinking. Yeah, I know, me too. So... You've got Led Zeppelin and you got Pink Floyd. <laughs> and usually you get somebody who's either they like Led Zeppelin and they hate Pink Floyd or vice versa. I'm, I'm in the Zeppelin camp. I, I, you know, listen, I'm not saying if Pink Floyd comes on the radio, that I'm going to just automatically flip it off. Right. But it's not going to be my first choice. Led Zeppelin comes on the radio. Not only will I probably not flip it off, I'm probably going to turn it up. So when it comes to the Star Wars, Star Trek camp, this also seems to be the prevalent case. You have people who are either they love Star Wars and they, they hate Star Trek or vice versa. And I'm going to guess that that's you. You're the person that you love Star Wars 
and maybe not hate, but just something about Star Wars and your fondness for it cancels out your ability to entertain the idea of enjoying at least the original Star Trek series. Maybe you're open to the movie. And and then when you look at the movie, you say, oh, they're trying to make Star Trek more like Star Wars, aren't Correct. they? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. And on that note as well, it's just the the original was good for its heyday. And I feel like, you know, Star Wars, the original movies may have benefited from the original series, Star Trek show. But it, as a testament to time, the original Star Wars trilogy seems like it's not dated yet. It's still... A, a great film to watch. It doesn't seem to have to compete with any modern standards or classic film standards. It's uh, it's something unto itself. The original Star Wars series um, doesn't seem influenced by the t- uh, time passing, whereas the Star Trek films they obviously have been. So I'll tell you. I, I'll tell you. I make. I'm I'm interrupting again. There's an observation yeah. I, I just made as I'm thinking about this. As I'm thinking about what you're saying. Right, and here's what here's what I here's what I'm thinking. I think I know why. Star Wars, and hear me out, TJ. Hear me out. I'm listening. Star Wars exists in a magical universe. The magic is technology, but it's like magic. Agreed. Star Trek exists in a. I'm doing little Merlin air quotes in a real <laughs> world technology based universe yes well we have warp engines and here's how the warp engines work and we have photons and we have phasers and here's how those things work and the these guys romulans have a cloaking device and that's why we can't see their ship and we need to go into low earth orbit now all of these things are based on what we think of as reality right in star wars they're like you've got the force well that's kind of like magic isn't it yes yeah and we we can go at you know make the jump to lights we just hit a button on the thing and we go That's and right. now we're zipping really fast and it's great and then you yeah. know when i have a lightsaber which that there's a crystal inside a thing and it makes a, a beam Correct. and you can deflect lasers with it this is a magical universe with creatures and aliens and strange things and star trek they're like here's how we have gravity on our ship you know it's a very <laughs> very right. different kind of universe and if you're if you're the type that likes the magical universe, like John Syracuse, you like Star Wars more. And if you're the type that sees yourself as like, uh, the, this world is based around science, and if we can understand the science, we can do anything, then you're going to like Star Trek. Yeah, that that explains it. That's it exactly. I don't know the Zeppelin Pink Floyd thing. <laughs> well, I can't, yeah, I'm not so sure. About I can't help you out with Zeppelin or Pink Floyd because, uh, and I know, you know, I listen to Amplified and I usually kind of glaze out when, you know, gloss over when you're talking about music. So, you know, take this for what it's worth. But I, I, I can't speak to it because I don't, I'm not a fan of either. <laughs> so you, you may reach through Skype and, and, and slap me if you want, Dan. It's all right. <laughs> no, I don't care. Okay. They're both old. Dan's they're both old really bands polite now. today. What's that? Dan's being really polite today. You haven't, really, you haven't really hit on any of my big topics. That's why. Oh, okay. Well, I, I'm. I, I could go. I could go either way with this stuff. Okay. Mm. 
All right. Well, Joe, I'll, I'll just say that I am a fan of both Star Wars and Star Trek, although I tend to like Star Trek a little bit better when it's working well. But mm. I, I do agree. There was something I wanted to go back to that you said, and I know this show is actually running longer. Th- I think it's running longer than it usually does, but that's that's fine. I knew this episode was going to run long. That's my fault. Sorry. No, no, no. It's good. I, I love it. Um, so, so Joe, the, the one thing that you, you said that I wanted to go back to was that they're basically trying to make Star Wars a Star Wars film out of Star Trek. That's what Abrams has been kind of doing. We, some have said we've already seen uh, right. we've already seen Abrams' Star Wars. It's called Star Trek. And I, I completely agree with that. And I think maybe that's one of the big reasons why I don't like it as much is because it's not true Star Trek somehow. Right. And, and Melinda Snodgrass – she did a great argument there and she convinced me to appreciate the original series for what it was because it was trying to, you know, imitate reality rather than ignore it. And the, the new series, though I appreciate JJ, his, um, his creativity and his ability to give it new life and new meaning. Um, it's not what it used to be. And I wonder how it's going to stand over the next 20 years. Yeah. Uh, when these movies are, you know, they're old. And Chris Pine has gone on and ruined his career like William Shatner did or something, you know. Yeah, and the, the, the episode that you're referencing, I was just looking it up while you were talking there, Joe. You're talking about Melinda. That is uh, Movie Byte Podcast number 22. So if you go to moviebyte.com slash mbpodcast slash 22, that's where that episode lives if you want to hear Melinda, who was a uh, screenwriter on Star Trek The Next Generation. Hmm. So, yeah, uh, I don't know that we have a lot more to talk about. I, I, I hate to end this because I'm loving this so much, but I don't know that we have a lot mm. more to talk about with this film. Did you, uh, Joe, did you have anything else that you wanted to mention? Um, not really. My bottom line is I just think that The Wrath of Khan is the one thing I, we may have not mentioned here really is that it's obvious why this is the fan favorite. It is it is the best. It is the cream of the crop for the original series. And it gives the the original fans everything they really wanted. And I think that that's, I think that's great. I love it when a movie can pull that off. Not, I mean, think about, you know, my childhood was ruined by Michael Bay with transformers. You know, (laughs) it's so easy for these directors to just ruin the ride. And, you know, really there was no pun intended there, but (laughs) I don't, I don't even think of those as real movies. They're not. Michael Bay's They're Transformers, terrible, yeah. overblown terrible. commercials. They they really are. Uh, this is a sidetrack, but I don't mind it. Um, you know, I, I I watched. I wasn't expecting much when I watched the first Transformers film. It was so bad. I wanted to tear my eyeballs out. I wanted to claw them out. It was so bad. And I don't even I don't even remember if I made it through the whole film. And I don't even if a film's bad. I usually watch the whole thing. Well, I'm glad you didn't claw out your eyes. Oh out. my goodness, it was it was horrible, horrible, terrible. I have not watched the Transformers film since. All right, so your your bottom line, Joe. What 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 do you rate this film out of five stars? Three stars, three a uh, three out of five stars, uh, and, and that means I'll watch it again. But it's okay if I don't have it in my personal movie library. It's it's good. Shame but on you, Joe. Shame. I'll get I'll get to it. You know when I need to show it to the kids and introduce them to Star Trek. I'll I'll start with this movie. Okay, Dan. Do you have any final words you want to say about this film before we wrap it up? Well, I'll just put it this way. If you're, if you're interested in seeing what the real Star Trek, the original Star Trek was about, and you don't want to sit through, you know, however many episodes they made. How 79. Many they make? 79. Thank you. If you don't want to sit through 79 episodes to get a feel for it, just go watch this. This will tell you everything you need to know. It'll tell you about the time period it was made. It'll tell you about uh, all of the characters are in it. It's great. All around great. 
And if you see this, I will say that you can uh, you can say you understand the original Star Trek series. Yeah. And and how do I do this rating? Two point five is middle of the road. Middle of the road. Less than that means it's bad. More than that means it's good. And what does it go up to? Four. Five. Uh, uh, five, five. Five stars. So you, in theory, you could give something a zero. In theory, you can. We yeah. actually have to. to be balanced. You would need to be able to give it a zero. I guess you're right. That's I hadn't right. thought about that. The mo- the movie I've hated the most in my entire life, Cloud Atlas. I gave a half a star. I guess I could, should have given it no stars. But yes, I guess technically you're correct. Okay, I just wanted to be sure. And and like a a five. This is the movie that. Like, can, can you? Is it possible for you to have a more than one movie that you rate a five? Oh yeah, absolutely. There are at least two movies now that I rate five. The Matrix I rated five stars, and this film I've rated five stars. Okay. What five stars mean, Stan, is that it's really hard for you to find any fault with a film, even if it's not one of your personal favorites. It's hard for you to to find something that's obvious that gets in the way. You know, that's that's what five stars means. Okay. To us. I'm trying because what I'm trying to do is I'm okay. So for me, Willow, that's half. That's half. Well, half a point. Point five for Willow. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. that's, That's good. Um. I'm just trying to think of what would be a five, and then I can rate this one. Mm. Mm. I'm just trying to think of Back to the Future Part One. (laughs) No, (laughs) (laughs) Um, you cannot find a kindred soul here, Joe. I'm just trying to think of of a movie that's a five. I mean, I mean, obviously there's there's movies out there that I I could never see again. Okay, well, let me ask you this. No, I gotta I gotta work through it. Don't rush me. All right, all right. Hey, oh my uh, God, well, all this time I take to come on your show and now I'm trying to work through the, the ultimate thing the last part and then you're rushing me through it. No, you're right. I stand humbled. Uh, while you're thinking there, Dan, we actually have an article about the star rating system. We'll go ahead and put that in the show notes. Did you too. invent this system? Is this your own system? Yeah, it's our site, so we thought we should. Okay. Um, here we go. I mean, a humble brag here. I wrote it myself. Nice. So I'm putting it into the outline there. Oh, so, yeah. I got to go look at that. Is that, uh, oh, oh, you just on, put it at I'm the bottom looking, here, didn't you? I'm looking there. I'm going down there. <sighs> okay. I'm going to have to see. I should have read that before I came on the show. Ah, it's not that big a deal. It's, it's just <sighs> Joe's article. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean that the way that sounded. You mean Joe. Joseph. <laughs> I mean. All right. So it, let's say, a, a, so five is, is essentially a perfect movie? Essentially. Essentially. Okay. okay. It's, okay. So, so I'll I'll say The Godfather probably is a five. There you go. I'll say, unfortunately for for you, TJ, I'd say 2001 is probably a five. Oh, I, I know you felt that way. That's why I figured you were going to have words for me when I said I didn't like it. I don't care if you like it or not. It's a free country. <laughs> this is true. Uh, there's a lot of things not to like about 2001. There's a lot of things not to like. It doesn't mean it's not a perfect movie. It's not my favorite movie. It's one of the movies I, I like a lot. Right. I like the I like The Shining more than I like 2001 if we're going to go into the the world of Kubrick. I think oh, yeah. about The Shining way more than I think about 2001. But 2001 as movies go, maybe the perf, maybe a perfect movie. You may be, you may be able to identify their Hitchcock movies that are 5 that I never want to watch again. That's right. So where does this fall? I can do half points? Yeah. That's right. That's right. It's basically a 10 point scale. Hmm. Okay, if, like are you asking me when? Are you asking me when I'm a kid or now? 
You can do Dude, both. This is a complicated. I can't give you a, <laughs> a simple answer. This is not a simple answer. That's a, that's totally fair. We've done the same thing, Dan. Yeah, I've I've waffled on my star we ratings rate, before. You know, kids' cartoons the same way. You hit me with this at the last minute. I don't even get an explanation of the system. All right, hang on now. Let's say, boy, oh boy, I'll tell you what. I haven't seen a movie in 10 or 15 years come out that I would give over a, over a four. What are That's you saying, Hattie? You really liked the Bond films. I mean, the Bond ones. Oh, I love the Bond. I know. Oh, oh, the you most recent that, yeah, Bond movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just saying, I remembered you. You liked that one a lot. On their scale, then what was the name of that one? The latest Bond movie, Hattie? Oh, you... Uh... uh Escapes my mind the moment you said it. Skyfall, name, Skyfall. Skyfall, the name of his yeah, uh, thing, name of his farm. All right. Skyfall. To now, with your scale, with your scale, Skyfall is a three and a half. Your I, scale. I think that's what I gave it to. Okay, your scale. This is a movie that if, if my son came to me and said, Dad, I want to see all the movies that matter. That would or be recent, a recent movie I'm going to put on there, There Will Be Blood. That's a four and a half. There will be blood. Now that's a movie, TJ. That's a movie. Got to see it. I haven't seen it yet. Oh, TJ, come I, on. I got to tell you, it, it's it's a funny story. While you're thinking about your uh, Star Wars, no, I got it now. Okay, but okay. Tell, tell your tell your tell your story. Okay, well, it's it's a quick, and I I might have mentioned on the podcast before. I can't remember, Joe. You can help me if I have. Uh, there was a period of time when I didn't watch films because my oh. parents, uh, you know, the, the films will molt your brain, you know. And they're not like that now, and I'm not like that now, obviously, uh, because I run a site called Movie Bite. <laughs> but, well, and the uh, other thing, too, so is... So I've missed uh, out on a few films. Yeah, There Will Be Blood ca- is I'm a little bit up. of a period film and a little bit like Western, though it's not a Western. And you're not big on those kinds of films. I'm so I not, but I, th- there's, there's exceptions to every rule. There should be. So, all right, Dan. All right. Um, Drum roll, uh, please. Joe what, was, what, Joe, what was yours uh, again? What did you give it? Three out of five. Yeah, I'm there with you. I'm right there with you. Three out of five. Bummer. All right. I it's, worth, it's worth seeing once. <sighs> this is 2013, TJ. Yes. That's right. It's 2013. They don't you make don't films to... like this anymore. <laughs> well, Not in what, what are you going to say? That is wide open for you if you want it. <laughs> but I, I mean, keep, keep in mind, keep in mind, there's maybe one movie a year that comes out that I think is worth seeing. Worth seeing. Okay. Wor- worth seeing seeing in the comfort of your own home that you haven't even paid any extra money for other than what you've already paid on Netflix and HBO. Joe, why did we have this guy on our podcast? <laughs> I know. We're all about there's, the a, there's so little out there that's good anymore. It's all the same movie. It's the same movie dressed up in different clothing. Every there movie is the same okay. thing. I can again agree with again. you to and a And then point. once in a while you get something good like There Will Be Blood and it's like, whoa, here's a real movie. And like this last Batman flick was a good one. I like that. Yeah, and I, you know, I, I, I'm with you to a point. I, I, I think that from now that what you're Batman saying, movie, I'll give, I'll give a three and a half. I'll go way high on my scale. <laughs> okay. well, here's something to chew on too. What happens when they come out with a remake of The Wrath of Khan? You know, what happens then? Um, I, I, I actually don't expect it to outdo the original one. No, I, I will despise it. That's where I stand. I'd like to see it. I'd like mm. to see it definitely. I think it could definitely enhance the the qualities where the original. The reason one you brought short. me on this show, TJ, I'll answer your question. I was joking, but go ahead. No, I. There's truth in a humor. That's the thing. Here's here's the thing. You brought me on because you know 
that I'm very, very, very hard to please when it comes to movies. Oh, I, do, I do know Schindler's that. Schindler's List, that's a five. Oh, yes, I, I have to agree. It's, it, it, so it's how, strange... can you give, how can you say this? You're going to put this up next to Schindler's List. Um, this is in, a five, a com- that's a five? In a completely different way. I mean, because you can like different things in different genres in different ways, right? I mean, So this is a five for you in a genre of a, you know, 1980s sci-fi film based on a TV show. This is a five. Okay, that's a five. I'll give you that in that genre. That's <laughs> that a five. That wasn't quite the way I meant it, but sure. I mean, I think that this is a great overall film, but I think Schindler's List is too, but for completely... Goodfellas, that's a five. Yeah, um, I gave it four, I think, when I, I rated it on Letterboxd on my account there. I believe I gave it four. It's a uh, five. But it's a good film. Um, but but see, this is the thing. You can like different films for different reasons. Schindler's List, and it's a strange thing too, because like that is a great film, and everyone should watch it once. Once. But but, but it's you can't not a film. Watch it e- twice. Right. Even though I love it and think it's a great film, it's not a film that I want to watch. I may watch it again Patton. someday. Seen that movie Patton? I'm not familiar with that one. <laughs> That's a five. Okay. But 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 this you know this rating that I'm giving it is an overall rating, not not just within a genre that wasn't what i was trying to say but but what i was trying to say is you can rate something the same but for completely different reasons and that's what i would do with schindler's list i'm not sure if i'd rate it a five maybe a four and a half it's way up there um so yeah i i, I that's how i stand on that is you can rate it different things for different reasons but no for all right me, guys do you want do you, do you I, you're done we're done with this right i think so we're, we're gonna we, wrap it up let, let, me, let me go ahead how and wrap do you, it up. how do you close one of your shows out i want to hear it okay so dan where can people find you on twitter uh, Twitter, I'm Dan Benjamin, one word. Uh, on Alpha, I'm Dan. Okay. And if somebody wanted to find out, you know, all the great shows that you do, you do a lot of great shows, Dan. Where would they go to do that? Uh, you're too kind. 5x5.tv, place to go. Great. And I recommend everyone checks out Dan's shows. Uh, I personally listen to The Frequency. I used to listen to it every day when it was an everyday show. Now it's Hattie's show, and it's only once a week. If I understood what you were saying correctly, still a great show. Uh, go give that a listen. Joe, where can people find you on Twitter? I'm Joseph Darnell on Twitter back for before I realized I should just go by Joe and I'm also Joseph Darnell on Facebook and I think I might be Joe Darnell on app.net but I don't pay attention to that anymore. Yeah, it's and, it's, it's like a it's like a graveyard over there. <laughs> yes, right. Well, I mean, yeah. good luck to them. I hope they can get out of that. Well, yeah. And you can and find then, uh you can find me on Twitter as well. Oh, I did skip something. Where can people find your work on the internet, Joe? Oh, jivingjackalope.net and MovieBite. That's right. And uh, I am TJ Draper Pro on Twitter because someone's squatting on my username, TJ Draper. So I went with the pro because I'm a professional. So you can find me on Twitter, TJ Draper Pro. You can find me on Facebook. Uh, unfortunately, even though I like Twitter a lot more, Facebook has a pretty big following on uh, Twitter. <laughs> MovieBite has a pretty good following on Facebook. So you can catch me there, uh, uh, facebook.com slash TJ Draper. You can catch MovieBite there, moviebite.com slash TJ Draper. Be sure to visit the website every day. We post uh, news, links, and articles, and opinions, reviews, moviebyte.com. You can find the links to everything we talked about in the show notes at moviebyte.com slash mbpodcast slash 42. And that's it for us this week. We're out of here. We'll, next week, we're going to be talking about Iron Man 3. So be sure to join us. I'm for going that. to see that tomorrow. Yeah, we've, uh, we've got our, I've got my tickets. I'm ready to go see it. My wife and I are both going to see it tonight. So we're going to talk about that next week. Be sure to tune in for that Wednesday night at 6.30 p.m. We will be broadcasting that live. Thanks again, Dan. Glad to be here anytime, guys. We're out of here.